aren't you kind of upset that, you know, this hasn't happened for you? This I said, no. I said, you look at that road out there. I said, the road is paved, isn't it? I said, is somebody's name on that road? He said, no. I said, that's my responsibility. And when you understand that your job is to pave the road so that somebody behind you can have an Mm -hmm. easier trek, it doesn't matter if your name is on the boulevard. It Mm -hmm. matters that you have pleased the Father. Welcome to another episode of Dimensions with Jeffrey Golden. Family, this podcast is all about us growing in the knowledge of God and the revelation of Jesus Christ. And we're doing that by having insightful, multidimensional conversations. I'm really excited about this conversation today. It's really near and dear to my heart because anybody who knows me, you know, I'm a worship leader. It's it, it, it is it is my life. It is really where I got my start before I started preaching or pastoring or really anything like that. God had placed this love for leading worship within me. And I think that it's so critical and it's so important for the body of Christ that we really understand and have conversations about how praise and worship as we know it today came to be. And especially within the African-American church context, I personally don't think we have enough conversations to really honor uh, those who have paved the way, right? And so before there was a Jeffrey Golden, right? Before there was a Timothy Reddick, before there was a Maverick City, before there was a Psalmist Reign, there were worship leaders and Psalmists and those who have really come before to really help to pave the way. And so I'm excited to help to really kind of chart some of that history today. And so we're about to move into a really, really awesome conversation that I think is really going to bless all of us. But before we do, I kind of want to share from my perspective some of the streams that I think we have really seen as it relates to praise and worship, at least from an African-American church context. So you've got the urban worship stream and you can't talk about urban worship and not talk about Fred Hammond. Like you are the living word when the spirit of the Lord comes upon my heart. Glory to glory. Like Fred Hammond really helped to establish this sound of urban worship that says we can sing songs that are completely vertical, that are completely looking to God, that are completely praising and glorifying Jesus Christ. Not just, you know, singing about ourselves, songs that are rooted in God's word, but it's going to be done in such a fresh way that literally a generation are really able to gravitate toward it. So we see really Fred Hammond is one of those great pioneers of urban worship. So that's one stream. Another stream that we have within worship from an African-American church context is what we might call prophetic worship. And we're going to talk about more of that later in our season. But from my perspective, one of the great pioneers of prophetic worship is Shekinah Glory Ministry out of Chicago. Y'all, y'all heard praises what I do. The Yes song. So many awesome hits. But really, SGM, uh, but probably before it was really popular, was having all kinds of praise dancers, flaggers, right along with the musicians, with the singers. They was one of the first groups that I saw. They didn't call their musicians musicians. They called them minstrels. You know what I'm saying? But really such a powerful group that I think really helped to break open or or at least to 
take prophetic worship more mainstream, right? So of course, they weren't the first to do it, but I think that God really used them to really bring prophetic worship more to the forefront, really for a lot of different churches and really generations. And so you've got that prophetic worship stream represented by Shekinah glory. Then you've got the congregational worship stream, which I think is really represented by uh, one of the awesome pioneers, Judith Christie McAllister. If you ever heard the song, Oh, Give Thanks Unto the Lord, for He is good. Yes, He is good uh, in church. Uh, the Lord is high above the heavens. Uh, those are songs written, penned uh, by Judy McAllister, who has served as international music, a department director for the Church of God in Christ. She's been the pastor of worship there at West Angeles Church of God in Christ in, in, in L.A., and she has really such a powerful story as it relates to how she came into worship leadership, worship ministry. And I think she has so much, you know, to really pour into generations as well as it relates to that congregational sound of worship. And so that's the third stream. And then the last but not least, we might call the multi-ethnic worship stream that really focuses on, you know, bringing people of different races, different cultures, different backgrounds together. You can't talk about multi-ethnic worship and not talk about Ron Cannoli. All right. Now, I'm trying to help some folk in my generation to really understand some of the people who have paved the way for the rest of us. Ron Cannoli is a name you absolutely need to know. He's got some awesome songs like I See the Lord, All Glory, All Honor, Ancient of Days, some powerful songs. And he was really one of those pioneers, one of the first worship leaders who was really black worship leaders, who was really crossing that racial threshold and really had who was really appealing to people of different races. And then right along in his stream, we see worship leaders like Israel Houghton, who then came sometime later and 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 and, and really picked up that same stream. So. Again, those are kind of four streams of praise and worship, especially from a black church perspective. You have the urban worship stream, the congregational worship stream, the prophetic worship stream and the multi-ethnic worship stream. So that groundwork being laid, I am really excited about our conversation partners today. You guys, we're going to be talking to Dr. Judith Christie McAllister, again, one of the pioneers, especially of that congregational worship stream. We're going to be talking to her. Also, we're going to be talking to Apostle Phil Tarver, who was one of the early leaders of Shekinah Glory Ministry, representing the prophetic worship stream. We're going to have a conversation with him about his story and how he got into worship leading and what he has to say to our generation. I hope you enjoy this conversation with some pioneers of black praise and worship. All right, family, I am so honored and so excited to have a conversation for this episode of the Dimensions podcast with two giants, two pioneers of praise and worship. Judith Christie McAllister, the name literally says it all, a powerful woman of God. We're going to get into uh, all that she has contributed to the kingdom of God, how she has been a pioneer in praise and worship. Uh, so we're going to get into all that. Uh, but our other conversation partner, our second conversation partner for today is none other than Pastor Phil Tarver, really uh, one of the early leaders of Shekinah Glory Ministry. We're going to talk about uh, their contributions to the kingdom of God, to the black church. Guys, I'm so excited. Anybody who knows me, you know that that 
these voices, Shekinah Glory Ministry with Phil Tarver, Rose Harper, many of those other pioneers, and also Judith McAllister, out of all of the artists, all of the worship leaders who were formative for my upbringing as a worship leader, Shekinah Glory Ministry and Judith McAllister were were really at the top of that list. And so we're going to have an awesome conversation today about the history and theology of praise and worship, especially from a black church perspective. So we're going to dig into it now. Dr. McAllister, could you share some of your story with us? Like, how did you become the Judith Christie McAllister that we know today? <laughs> well, how much time do you have? <laughs> <laughs> Take your time. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, uh, you know, it's, it's a long story, but in a nutshell, I grew up in New York, in Harlem, precisely, and always had a need and a desire to have something more than what I was experiencing in my church. And I grew up in a classical Pentecostal Caribbean church. And so we were really, really strict. I mean, it was a thing where we... we couldn't do anything but breathe and we were afraid to do that too hard because we thought God was going to strike us down with a lightning bolt. That's the kind of (laughs) of strict nature that we were under. But I always had a need and a desire to expand beyond just my classical Pentecostal upbringing. And one of the things that I think that God, of course, we always know that God uses our past to help to frame our future. One of the things that we sang every Sunday was at least five or six hymns. Mm -hmm. And so you present me with a hymn book. I know every single one without fail. I know Mm -hmm. every single hymn in the hymn book. Uh, But again, that helped to frame my theological standpoint as it relates to later on selecting songs that fit within the constitution of teaching and training, because we know that's what hymns do. Hymns teach us, they train us, they indoctrinate us. And Mm. so that became my, if you will, my uh, guide as I began to write and as I began to sing. There's certain songs I still don't sing to this day because they are theologically incorrect. They sound wonderful, uh, but they don't really lend to the word of God. So coming from New York and being thrust into the Tulsa, Oklahoma environment, attending uh, Oral Roberts University, eventually being a part of the Oral Roberts Singers, where I had an opportunity to meet and greet and interface and talk Mm -hmm. with and fellowship with some of the greatest men and women of God in that day. And of course, one being Oral Roberts, we called him Uncle Mm -hmm. Oral, having, you know, hearing his vision, hearing what he thought about music, what he thought about the the convergence of music and, and the word. And then, of course, after that, going to West Angeles Church and fellowshipping with and being a part of the music ministry there with Bishop Blake. And the first Sunday I arrived, he, you know, well, strategically, God did this, was teaching a message on or or preaching on the Tabernacle of David and how he had a vision that one day the tabernacle of David, and we know that that is the tabernacle of praise and worship, would be restored to the people. He said, I see the choirs are taking hostage. They they are holding the people hostage. They have taken the worship from the people, whereas now we're just watching the people, watching the choir singing. We're like, yeah, sing choir. But he said, no, I see a day 
where the worship will be restored to the people of God. Wow. And so uh, that was the first Sunday, I remember, uh, coming there. And God knew <laughs> that, oddly enough, I would be a part of that and causing that to um, be um, spread you know, across wow. the country, especially in the Pentecostal uh, Kojic circle. That rejected it at first, but look at what God has done. So that, in a nutshell, wow is uh, pretty much the trajectory. And uh, God would have it that uh, after 10 years of being away from West Angeles and Bishop Blake, that now I'm back there at that same house of wow. worship, assisting his son and moving into another dimension of worship again. So I've been through a lot of transitions. So when you get to that point, I can tell you about that too. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow, thank you so much. So powerful, so insightful. And we're just getting started. Let's go on up to Chicago for a minute. Pastor Tarver, can you tell us some of your story, some of your journey, how you came to be Pastor Phil, Apostle Phil, a powerful man of God who has helped to really pioneer prophetic worship? Well, bless you, Minister Jeff. It's, it's an honor to be with you and certainly to be with one of you mentioned heroes in the beginning, one of my heroes here in Dr. Judith McAllister and certainly of influences, which I'm sure we'll probably talk about in a few minutes, she would reign at the top of, rank at the top of that list of influences, especially in the realm of praise and worship. But my track was somewhat similar, just down a different track. She grew up Pentecostal, I grew up a little black Baptist boy <laughs> in, in the church and certainly being around choirs and singing and that influence, I was uh, influenced by music very early. And so with that, being around the groups, especially in Chicago, and what is now known to be shape, I'm sure there's probably still a running argument between Chicago, Detroit, and LA, and maybe Atlanta now, in terms of who has the sound. But back then, that was the Chicago sound, and the Chicago sound was the choir sound, but of course, Chicago also being what we would call, what has been actually noted and said as Chicago being the gospel capital of the world with Thomas A. Dorsey, starting gospel here, and all of the influences that came out from that time from the Barrett sisters to the Northfleet brothers to, of course, the, the Thompson Community Singers, the Tommies and others, all of those, uh, all of those groups and entities went to shape my gospel music perspective. I actually started out, just as a quick sidebar, in secular music. Believe it or not, as, as a kid, I spent some time doing secular music because I was bit by the music bug early and went all the way through high school and college in the realm of music. And so eventually I gave my gift that the Lord gave me back to him and was able to go into gospel full time. That track, long story short, led me through the realm of praise and worship, and I know we're going to talk about influences a little bit later, but June of 2000, June of 2000, I walked through the doors of a church in the southern suburb, suburb of Chicago called Valley Kingdom Ministries. At that time, there was a shift and a change going on. The Valley at that time was a prominent part of Full Gospel Baptist, Bishop Paul Morton's movement back then. And so that was William Murphy and Byron Cage and you name it, all those guys in that great movement in the late 90s. The Lord began to deal with my apostle at that time, Bishop H. Daniel Wilson, about praise and worship. We'd already, we'd already been a great church, had a fantastic choir, and I want to talk more about it as we go, go further. A fantastic choir led by, to me, and I believe this, probably right next to Dr. Judith, one of the greatest choral trainers and directors in our nation, that's Pastor Rose Harper. 
she was cutting edge back then and really building a music empire in Chicago. And so that said, we joined the ministry and I came right on the eve of what would become Shekinah Glory Ministry. June of 2000, walked through the doors of Valley Kingdom. Little did I know that in August of 2000, a recording would take place called Praise Is What I Do. And wow. being at that recording, here's something that people don't know as a quick, quick trivia question. We joined, my wife and family and I joined Valley Kingdom Ministries the night Praise Is What I Do was recorded. Wow. We became a part of that ministry. And so we were part of that. And as people who have heard the CD, they know just, you know, from being in the room, it was absolutely amazing. But we were able to capture what was in the room and put it, uh, I'm going to date myself, put it on wax, but put it on a CD and be able to share with the world. And as they say, we'll talk more about it, but the rest is history. I became a part of what the Lord was releasing as a movement. Um, praise and worship, restoration, as, as Dr. Judith said, Tabernacle of David style worship, three components, sight, sound, and song. You know, for the longest time, the church had just been the song with the musicians and the sound with the singers, song and sound, but the restoration of sight with the ministry of movement, dancers, mm. banner bearers, shofar, and bringing about what we call back then, kind of coin the phrase, pageantry for his majesty. Mm. And so with that, wow. we were able to come into come into the season of God doing something supernatural. I don't think, uh, and Dr. Judy will probably be able to attest to as well, we didn't exactly know what we were doing. We were just obeying God mm. and just said, God said, do this, and we did that. And so the long and the short of it, I'll tell you a quick, real quick story. Our pastor in 1999, this was just prior to me coming to the church, went on sabbatical, and the Lord told him, he said, I'm going to breathe on your praise team. He says, I'm going to, I want you to go to sabbatical. I want you to go back to the church and send your pastor, worship pastor on sabbatical. And that was Pastor Rose. And she came back and the two of them, the visionary and the architect, put together what is now known as Shekinah Glory Ministry. And he said, I want you to record a CD. And that CD, I'm going to breathe on that CD. And wow. as they say, the rest is history. Praises what I do has been sung everywhere everywhere it literally has in all spheres all walks of life and that song and you know we talk more about it there's certain songs that touch a chord in a certain season mm. and that song was one of those songs that really touched everybody everywhere during mm. that time and so that's kind of just a just a snapshot into how we came into the music part of ministry and to have to be a part of this little choir from the south side of chicago called praise is what i do wow. i would call it a chicago ministry i should say mm. wow Absolutely incredible. I want to I want to press in a little bit deeper there. And and Pastor Tarver, I, I, I'll actually come to you first. Can you tell us a little bit more about the SGM era? And I love what you said. And for those who were tuning in, who are watching, who were listening, he said something very powerful. He said at the time we didn't know what we were doing. We were just obeying God. We didn't know the significance behind the sound, the sight, the song that we were cultivating, but we just knew that it's what God said and we were being obedient. I think that's an encouragement for all of us that anything that God ever calls us to do is, is significant, whether it looks significant in the moment, whether it does not, anything that God tells us to do, we ought to obey him because the call of God, the call of Christ, the call of obedience is always the call to significance. And so thank you, Pastor, for even just sharing that. But if you could tell us a little bit more about 
those SGM days. And particularly, so, so I know you said you were at the recording in August to, uh, 2000 for, for Praise is What I Do. And, but then by, I, I believe it's 2003, 2004, for the album Live, you are now one of the prominent voices on that album. And so kind of how, you know, what was the process of you joining the team and then also, you know, kind of stepping into leadership, of course, by, I believe, 2007 with the Jesus album, you are now the pastor of worship. And so kind of maybe give us some of that trajectory. Sure, absolutely. Well, I'll tell you again, as as Pastor Rose, the architect, visionary, along with Apostle, Again, building what would be this entity called Shekinah Glory Ministry, the Lord opening doors to begin to travel and, and to move around and television appearances. And so all those things were wonderful, but we had a wonderful foundation that was built in the Word of God and built. One of the things I can say was probably key as well that kind of kept Shekinah Glory grounded, and I'll talk about the transition as leadership went and that sort of thing. One of the things that kept Shekinah Glory grounded at that time is our focus was in the Word, but also being closely connected to our church and our pastor. We were still, with all of the success that Shekinah experienced, you know, we were able to, to, able to experience, we were still just the church's praise team. Here's how Dr. Julia laughed with this. Apostle Wilson mm-hmm. tells us, he said, I don't care if you're in China. You better be back here leading praise and worship <laughs> Sunday morning. Sunday morning. And it's just the way it was. And it kept us grounded. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that taught us, and this was something that, you know, as uh, teams were being, as praise and worship was coming along and beginning to really become a part of the church again, because we had the 70s, the 80s, and all before that, the choir sound, maybe the 80s and 90s, the ensemble sound. And now praise and worship is kind of coming to the forefront. In the late 90s or 2000s, guys, Israel Holden and, and everyone's like that, what's coming with, with the praise and worship sound. We were closely connected to our pastor. And I think that pastor, praise team, pastor, praise, praise leader, pastor, minister of music, piece is really, really important. That helped us to be connected to what God was doing and gave us the direction we needed. And so in terms of, uh, as you said, in terms of the the, uh, transition, praise is what I do, exploded. It did, it did. And before we knew, we were moving all over the place. You know, different, 9-11 happened a year later, wow. you know, and we were in New York, you know, six, seven, eight times back and forth, different places, all the place. And so that said, the call for us to come forth came forth. But here's the thing, uh, Mr. Jeff, the thing that made it unique is whenever we came, we had a focus for ministry. It was never about performance for us, never mm-hmm. about being the best. Of course, we would bring excellence you know pastor rose is stickler for excellence it's got to be right got to sound good you know everybody's got to be singing in the same key and a parts on place a parts in place and all that but the main key was the spirit of god being in the midst and everywhere we went the lord would meet us we'd be different programs with different with different gospel artists and our thing was we wanted to be carriers of the glory of god so whenever we went in we went in with an assignment tell you a real quick story we we were doing we were we were ministering for the stellar awards in 2003 and this is kind of a a a quick history piece here we were ministering to stellar awards we'd been fasting for seven days before we got down there pastor rose said he said i want to tell you this he said you're on assignment when you get down here, you're going to see a lot of people that you listen to, a lot of artists that you know and that kind of thing. You're not you're, you're not here to say it like this, to hobnob and glad hand. Mm-hmm. You're here to minister. 
I need you to focus. And so, wow. a quick funny story is we we did our sound check, went into the dressing room, and we were told, "Do not come out until it's time to minister." So, different ones were walking by, and they would see us in the dressing room. And I think it was Ty Trivet, kind of hilariously walked by. He walked by the door, and it was almost <laughs> it was almost like that that scene and that scene in Purple Rain where Morris Day and the Tide walked by, and they looked back at that bacon fun prince and the guys. And anyway, that said. Ty Trippin walked by and he looked, he came back and walked again and said, Hey, I heard y'all was on punishments. Y'all can't come out doing <laughs> <laughs> But the focus was there. Long story short, we got ready to go up to, to minister. We're praying in the spirit. And this is just the focus of how God used you kind of back in those days. Got up on the platform and began to minister, and the glory of God came in, mm-hmm. and the glory was so heavy in a television, live television production that they could not stop the production. People were in after five, sequence, running back and forth. People laid out in the spirit. The glory of God came in and invaded the hall. And the long and the short of it is, it's just that's just how God, you should kind of praise us what I do. And then after that came live with that song, Yes. That mm-hmm. song, another song that touched the world. It, it was a, the right song in the right season to minister mm-hmm. to people. And so that song and then the, the, the next project with Jesus, God just began to give us, we said one thing, we had these one word songs where we had to keep singing them over and over and over. But when we but when we did that, the glory of God would come in. And so wow. I was privileged, I'll end with this and let y'all, Dr. Julie chime in. Chime in. Uh, I was privileged to take, to, to move into the stewardship position of something that God birthed in mm. the spirit. Past, that there is no replacement for Pastor Rose Harper. Mm. Simple as that. She is just she was the one for that season to do that wow. and built that thing as the spirit led, led her to do from the ground up. And when she transitioned on to her next season, I moved in to steward that mm. entity that was called Shekinah Glory Ministry. So it was my honor to even be a part of it in, in, in leadership and serving. Wow as a steward in that entity at that time. And so the lonely short of it was, again, being connected to our pastor, staying before God, following, we'll talk more about it, I'm sure, following the biblical mandate of, mm. of worship and praise as Levites, and then moving into the place of uh, being obedient and following God, opened up those times and seasons of blessings for Shekinah glory. Wow, wow. I was so, wrong with it, I'm sorry. No, no, we we needed all of that, that you know, literally. That, absolutely. Wow. And and and, and I just want to say, and I've never had the opportunity to meet Pastor Rose Harper. And I don't know if she would, you know, ever hear this or have an opportunity even, you know, uh, share in, you know, what it is that we're talking about today. But I just want to say publicly, and I've, I've been saying it for years, that is a woman of God who her impact on everything that it is that we do is so unseen and so underrated, especially in our generation. And I just want to say, woman of God, we honor you Um, representing millennials, representing Gen Z. I want to say thank you for paving the way, the way that you did for, 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 for doing what it was that maybe at the time was not popular, but it was prophetic. And it was spirit led and it was sensitive to the movement of the spirit. Mm-hmm. Thank you for Amen. being who you are and for doing what you did with pioneering SGM in such a powerful way. So I just want to just honor that woman of God. And I mean, literally, I've, I've, I've talked to other worship leaders who I know, and it's the same for Dr. Judy. It's like there has to be a way that we can honor 
those who have come before us who there wouldn't be an us if there wasn't a you. Mm. And, and I'm getting, you know, a little misty-eyed because we don't do honor well. No. Yeah. Many times we just allow whatever is the new thing or the shiny thing or the popular thing in that moment to occupy all the attention. But, but what about the shoulders that we stand on? Mm-hmm. And so, so yes, we honor you, Pastor Rose. I, I, Dr. McAllister, I, I, I want to come to you. And so we got to rewind the clock back a couple decades because I think the story of saints in praise is foundational for everything that happens from 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 praise and worship from a black church perspective. So can you tell us about those saints in praise days, how that really that movement, of course, they were, you know, albums that were done, but really how that came to be. And then I would also like for you to maybe speak about as well. So you talked about two incredibly towering figures in the body of Christ, right? You talked about Oral Roberts, Mm -hmm. and then you talked about Bishop Charles Blake, and how both of them articulated certain theological visions as it pertained to worship that impacted you. So if you could, as you talk about saints and praise, also share kind of how you found kind of the intersection of maybe those two theological streams and how that really became formative for you. Absolutely. And but before I get into that, I must say, Pastor Tarver, you know, we definitely celebrate you and all that God has done in your life and through you. It's it's just incredible. And I did not say this earlier, but I'm honored to be on the same podcast as you just to share and to hear the things that you were saying. So, it, you know, the Bible talks about when Mary came to visit Elizabeth, that she said the babe leaked, right? And I'm just, I just felt that's just, oh, yes, you know. So we thank God for that. Amen. Well, uh, saints in praise, again, I think uh, dovetailing on what Pastor Carver just spoke about, the relationship between the pastor and the minister of music Mm -hmm. or the pastor and the worship leader. Y'all pray for me. I I have a book that I'm supposed to finish. It should have been done. (laughs) But it's called Mom and Pop, Minister of Music, Pastor of the People. And it talks about the relationship between the two and how it is necessary to formate a healthy congregation. Mm. I won't give all the details by the book. Shameless plug. Okay. (laughs) But Saints in Praise was really out of the heart of Bishop. Mm. Patrick Henderson was the Minister of Music at the time. And uh, he brought him in and me, and we would sit in his office sometimes for hours, and he would just share and articulate what he saw in the spirit. And again, understand that we were not doing that at the time. It was uh, largely seen in uh, Caucasian congregations and other than our culture. He said, but no, there's something that I see and I see the people not just mm. singing songs that, you know, Jesus, 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 Jesus. And there's nothing wrong with calling his name because, you know, mm. when we call his name, the earth shifts. Right. Uh-huh. But moving beyond just the the profundity of of just now, let me let me preface this by saying preface that by saying this. <clears throat> Our Negro spirituals. 
and the songs that we know that are connected to our roots, those songs carried us to where we are now. And he said, there's something that needs to take us from where we are that mm. we don't negate that. We don't forget that. We reference that. Mm. But there's something that needs to take us from where we are to where God is going to take us. And so that's how I look at music. In the journey in music, we don't mm. throw away all of the swing low sweet chariots and, you know, mm. Jesus come rescue me. All of those, those mm. are wonderful songs. But there's something about a song of the spirit. Mm. And that's what he was challenging us to engage in. The Bible declares that we are to sing in the spirit and sing with the understanding, singing to mm. ourselves, ourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody in our heart to God. And so mm. as we began to go through the, the training, and I believe that's what it was, was sitting at his desk and, and him imparting to us, Saints in Praise was born. Now, again, you understand this is a church. Well, West Angeles was really never a, a classical Pentecostal Kojic church. Bishop Blake is a just a, a, a visionary and a man that, you know, he doesn't have any rival or equal as it relates to his mind and his uh, ability to or at that time to really see in the spirit. And be able to make it so that we could receive it and then take it to our people and say, hey, this is what our pastor does or this is what he would like. So it was something that was not really received within our church. And I had a, a mission to really cause the pastor's vision to come to pass. So mm -hmm. I would say this, everything that you know about me now um, started because I was connected to my pastor. Mm. The reason why you can say first lady of worship, I really don't like that title, but you know, that's what people are saying, right? Is because of the connectivity and the vision mm. that the pastor gave me to carry out. Wow. Okay? And so I would like to say that to those that are asking, well, how do I get to where I believe God would have me to be? Mm. How do I, uh, uh, I see myself on the stage. Well, don't go after the stage, go after God mm. and, and, and be connected to the leadership. Uh, Dr. Tarvis said it a moment ago, you know, that, that the anointing is what caused them to have that uh, blow up, if you will, wow. you know, to be spread all over the country and all even around the world. And so I had a challenge to take people that were coming to me and say, don't lift, don't tell us to lift your hands. Don't tell us to stand because we're not white. Somebody said that to my face. <laughs> Somebody said that wow. to me in my church. Do not ask us to stand. Do not ask us to lift our hands because we're not white. And so there were, wow. I mean, when I tell you there was a lot that went on, I had pastors in the jurisdiction that Bishop was the Bishop over, mm. write him letters and tell him that this praise and worship thing was a cult, that I was a witch <laughs> and had his people wow. under. Oh, yeah. I had my car wow. keyed several times. I had really just horrible messages left on my church work phone. I mean, it was, I cried and I said, God, mm. why? You know, because the people, we had the people mad, the congregation, because of this new thing. We 
be at the choir, man, <laughs> because <laughs> now this took time away from their time to shine. Mm -hmm. But the Lord gave a strategy. I began to look at different ones that would stand during that time of worship. Mm -hmm. And I grabbed them after service. I ran and I grabbed them after service. That became our first praise team. Why? Because wow. they naturally responded to what was happening. Mm. While everybody was sitting down, they had their hands lifted. And so the Lord pointed them out, grabbed those. And so for an entire mm. year, for 52 Mondays, we met from 530 to about 8 o'clock. And mm. I shared with them the rudiments of praise and worship before they touched a mic, before they got on the stage, mm. For an entire year if you want to be a part of this you have to be trained mm. and so that was the birthing of that whole saints and praise movement and that was uh like early 80s like mid 80s and uh we recorded that uh, i believe it was in 1990 mm. and of course as you know that served as a template for worship around the world specifically wow. and particularly in the black church, many churches, they didn't have that particular aspect of worship or, mm. you know, skilled musicians. And so they would just take the recording and they would play it for their worship. Wow. And look at what God has done. So I think there's something to be said of that connectivity between the pastor, the worship leader, mm. the pastor and the minister of music. They must be on one accord. And, you know, no matter how high and Pastor Tarvis said it, you know, no matter how high you get, you better be back on Sunday morning <laughs> at your post. And I've done it. I mean, getting mm. off of a plane and coming straight to church. And, you know, people say, you don't, you've arrived. You have to do that. Oh, yes, I do. Mm. Because there's something to be said of the Levitical connection mm. to the house of the Lord. Wow. <laughs> so I'll say this. What you all enjoy today. Wow. Somebody cried tears over. And I, I, I gave you the abridged version. Jesus. It was, it was, it was unthinkable. The people did not receive it at all. They looked at us as if we were crazy. They, I mean, it, mm -hmm. it was, it, I look back now and I'm like, how did you go through it? <laughs> With the grace and the strength of the Lord, because it was a difficult time. Now, of course, Bishop Blake didn't let me see those letters until years later mm. <laughs> when he knew I could handle it. But I, I could feel it, you know, and there were pastors in our jurisdiction that forbid their people to come. Because as as Dr. Tarvis said, during that time, it was new and God would move in such a way that people would literally fall out in the presence of God. And they'd get up speaking in tongues or they'd get up healed and delivered. And it was something that we did not see. It was you did that didn't happen during the music portion of the service. That happened when the preacher got up. Or that happened when the evangelist came. But God by his power. And I'm like, this in the scripture. That then when the singers and the musicians came as one to make one sound, to be heard, mm -hmm. that the glory of God filled the house, that the priest couldn't even stand. They fell out. <laughs> they couldn't even stand to minister for the glory of God. And I think that's what we're after. That's what we need to get back to. So mm. if you ask me, what do we say to the millennials? What do we say to the Gen Z's? What do we say to those that are in, in this thing? And God has placed a call, a bona fide call upon their life. Mm. Go after the glory of God. Don't go after the stage. 
Go after the glory. Go after the glory. When I go to workshops and I talk to pastors about, you know, what they can do in their church, I said, if you go after the glory, the glory will attract the people. Mm. And when the people come, they will give freely. So I think sometimes we 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 have it mixed up. You know, I need this for a building fund. Or I need this for for mm. that aspect. If you go after the glory, the money's in the glory. The money's wow. in the glory. Amen. Provision is in the glory. So mm. go after the glory and be connected to a local house that can not only encourage you, but correct you, mm. correct your spirit. We have a lot of lawlessness going on in the world now and it really took place during the time of covid and you know some things that happened you know in politics in the white house that that lawless spirit do anything mm -hmm. you want to do do it in any kind of way you want to do it say anything you want and there are no ramifications or no consequences wow. but god says no i need to rule your spirit and i need to put somebody over you to help you to mm -hmm. be conformed into the very image of christ i'm sorry it took so long no <laughs> We needed all of it that I'm, I'm just mind blown because. And I think even at this point, in our conversation, th there are some common threads between both of your stories and both of these movements that, you know, happened, you know, say some 15, 20 years apart that pioneered new things within a worship space, but yet their origins are similar in yeah. that there was a leader, there was there was an apostolic leader, there was a pastor, a visionary who received a download from heaven about what worship could be. And then there was, as Pastor Tarver said, an architect yeah. who then could come alongside that visionary just like Moses could, you know, get the vision, could get kind of the outline of the blueprint. But then comes a Bezalel who can then take what is received from the Moses and really, you know, give blueprint and really bring it to life. We have seen that literally with Saints in Praise. And we've seen that with Shekinah Glory Ministry. I, I just think that's powerful yeah. that two incredible movements that really ushered in a new wave of revelation as it relates to worship in the church, that both of them were local church based yeah. and that there was this marriage between the vision of, of the, of the leader and the architecture of the worship leader and that that marriage really birthed something powerful. And so, I mean, that's, that's, that's incredibly powerful because especially within our generation, I think there is a sense of, you know, you know, the old, think it was the temptations who said papa was a rolling stone you know mm -hmm. there, there there's this kind of rolling stone thing where it's just like okay you know i'm here and then i'll be there and of course you know god shifts us and god moves us but sometimes it's well i didn't like how my pastor talked to me or you know i didn't i didn't like how they were looking when we were up leading worship so they 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 must not want god here so let me go somewhere where they do and so there's a very kind of almost consumeristic approach to Absolutely. doing church. And so within that and piercing through that comes a Judy McAllister and a Phil Tarver to say, no, what you are now eating from 
and the shoulders that you stand on, the nourishment that you now receive was very much rooted within the local church. It was very much rooted within submission to a local pastor. And I think that that's powerful, you know, for us to really hear. Dr. McAllister, you said go after the glory and thank you for for giving us that charge. If we can for a moment, and I want to start with you, Dr. McAllister, now I'm going to uh, come to you, Pastor Tarver. Let's talk about what the glory is from a, from a biblical theological standpoint. What is the glory of God and how does the glory of God relate to what we understand to be praise and worship? And then kind of a part two to that question in a more broad sense, what what are the major themes of your theology of worship that you bring into into the leadership of worship and even particularly what you brought into those formative years uh, for you, Dr. McAllister, uh, there back in the 80s, uh, for you, Pastor Tarver, there in the early 2000s? So I'll start with you, Dr. McAllister. OK, well, the glory is simply defined is the tangible manifested presence of God. God is not manifest everywhere, but he is everywhere. And so our responsibility in that worship moment is to so create a throne, if you will, Mm -hmm. for him to be enthroned in Mm -hmm. and manifest. That's simply put, nutshell. Our challenge is to Created in such a way, and I mean the chair. I I like to use this analogy. Mm. It's it's when you worship God, it's like creating a chair for him. But Mm -hmm. he's not going to sit in a chair that only has three legs. The Mm. structure has got to be created so that he can inhabit the praises of Israel, his children. And so... Of course, we can go through the levels of praise and all of that 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 means. But my charge every time I approach that moment is, Father, help me to construct it in a manner by which it can house what you want to do Mm. in this moment. If you create it small, that's all he has. He is a, I, I like to say it this way, he is a conserver and he doesn't just come and just throw something out to Mm. us and so we shouldn't do this we should not do that either excuse me we should not do that either Mm. we should ensure that our preparation all of that goes into it the preparation the skill the excellence we don't just throw anything before god because when we Mm. present excellence to god then he breathes on that excellence and then we have what we have so glory is the manifested presence of the almighty god one of the scriptures that i use as a template in my time of of worship and really going before the Lord is Deuteronomy chapter number 10. And right around verse number eight, it says, at that time, the Lord separated the tribe of Levi to bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord, to stand before the Lord, to minister unto him and to bless his name. Okay, four things that the Lord has called the uh, the Levites to do. Number one, to bear the Ark of the Covenant, shoulder the weight of the covenant, shoulder Mm -hmm. the weight of the Ark. You know that the weight of the glory is heavy because that's why it says Mm -hmm. call it a weight. Okay, number one, to stand before the Lord. Who can stand before him? Who shall ascend to his holy hill? Mm -hmm. He that hath clean hands and a pure heart. What else? To bless his name. 
to bless mm. his name. And so, and then the next verse talks about the Levites have no part of inheritance with his brethren, for the Lord is his inheritance. Wow. And that scripture I love because, you know, oftentimes and way back in the early days, you know, when praise and worship wasn't a genre and then you know i i you know we can have different opinions about that <laughs> worship is a lifestyle mm -hmm. and i think that that's one of the things that we find ourselves falling into now these days that you know it's it has become a genre and because it has become a genre people think that they can live any kind of life and still operate in this genre and we've mm -hmm. seen it i need not name names okay but it is a lifestyle and as a Levite, if he said, you have no inheritance among your brethren because I am your inheritance, that mm -hmm. means that everything God is, I have. Glory to God. Mm -hmm. And so I don't need to worry about, you know, everything. I don't need to worry about anything. Why? Because God is my wow. inheritance. So that's one of the scriptures that I like to use as a framework mm -hmm. and, if you will, and, and a benchmark as I'm teaching and sharing with other people that, you know, we have to really go after the glory once again and go mm -hmm. after God because in God is everything that we could ever need or desire. Wow. There were so many powerful nuggets of what you just said. And I love how you talked about the seat that in praise and in worship, we are, as it were, constructing or forming a seat that now becomes the throne that God can be manifested upon in our worship. So powerful. I'm going to have to go back and, you know, look at those scriptures, chew on all of that, because there was so much gold within three, four, five minutes. But Pastor Tarver, I want to ask you the same question, specifically, what is the theology or the biblical understanding that really underpins your perspective of worship, your understanding of the glory of God, yeah, could you kind of share some of that with us? Sure, sure. I'll definitely give you one of my favorite scriptures that is a kind of a launching point into this whole thing called the glory. Before I do that, let me tell you a story about the seat. Mm. <laughs> There's a story, a famous story at our church about the seat. We at that time, back when churches would have watch shut-ins, watch nights, that kind of thing, and all-night prayer, Friday night prayer, that kind of thing. We were in prayer, 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. one Friday night, one Friday night. And around two o'clock in the morning, our sanctuary, you know, there's there's the, the, the low lights and, you know, we're in high worship and then we lay out high worship, just as, you know, ebbs and flows go. My pastor gets up, Apostle Wilson, the Lord speaks to his spirit and he tells us as he stops to pray, he said, God told me to tell you something. He said, everybody in my house has a seat except me. At that time, that was back when we had chairs in the pulpit. And the pastors would sit in the pulpit. We had 12 chairs in our pulpit at the church. And pastor and his wife and all the elders and leaders would sit there. He said, I need you to go get all 12 of them chairs out of the pulpit right now. Nobody sits in that pulpit from this night forward. And from that point, he set one seat in the middle of the pulpit. And he said, from now on, Jesus is the only one that's going to sit in this pulpit. And so from that point... Revelation began to come to Pastor Rose and some of the dance and ministers of movement about how to adorn and drape this chair, this seat that would be a fixed. Now, the, the, the focus is going to be the thought it's a fixed point, a place of gathering where you would mm. come to worship and praise God. So it started there. Eventually, Apostle had this ornate throne built 
This thing is beautiful. Mm -hmm. and as a matter of fact, it is the throne that you see in the Shekinah Lord videos. You wow. see often with the scepter on it and the sash across it and the crown setting in the middle mm -hmm. of that. So the inception of that throne that you see, as Dr. Judy was talking about the seat, that fixed point of worship came from that night where he removed everybody else out of that mm -hmm. spot and said, this spot belongs to the Lord. Fast forward, quick story. Israel Houghton and New Breed, back when New Breed was New Breed, mm -hmm. back in that time, came to the ministry and shared. And, it was, and he told us a funny story that night. He said, guys, I have to tell you, awesome night, God movie set up, but I have to tell you a story about this church. We heard, Dr. Judy, you're gonna laugh at this. We heard that you all were a cult because you are the church that worships the seat. Wow. It was around the country. They bow down to this chair. They bring crowns to the chair. No understanding, but did not know. So people thought, like she said, we were a cult. Because all we see when we see the videos of Sunday morning is everybody bowing down in front of this chair, not having an understanding of mm -hmm. what that fixed point in worship meant. He said, but when he came, he said, I found out, I understand now that this seat is literally the meeting place of God. It's a oh, place yeah. where you can come. And, and come wow. into the presence of God and have what the Bible said, Isaiah 6 said, I saw him high and lifted up. Mm. And his train filled the temple. The glory of God came down into the, into the house. So that Isaiah scripture, down, Isaiah 6, I should say, 1 through 6 scripture is kind of one of my fixed points, but probably one of my favorite scriptures in all mm. of the word of God concerning the glory, even Shekinah around that is, I think Dr. Judy referenced it earlier, 2 Chronicles 5. That's one of my favorite where the singers and the musicians, all of the priests and the elders mm. came together as one. As they came together to make what? One sound and mm. worshiping God. And after they did that, as they did that, the glory of God filled the house. If I can wow. say anything about Shekinah, that was one of the things we looked at. We want to come in and release a sound that will create an atmosphere yeah. for the glory of God to come in. Mm. And in doing that, coming together, and you can only do that if you're functioning as one mind, one goal, mm. one spirit, focused in worship, all, everybody going the same direction in unity. And I want to kind of touch something that Dr. Judy said, even concerning nowadays, and I know it was kind of a thought we were going to discuss today, concerning what is the focus? What's your focus mm. for worship? Is your focus now for entertaining? Is the focus now for well, it didn't records and CDs no more because that's gone by the way. But is it, is it plays? Is it streams? Is it downloads? What's your focus in ministry? Mm -hmm. Are you looking to be the most famous guy mm -hmm. in town, or are you looking to make? Are you looking to be famous, or are you looking wow. to make him famous? Yeah, right. Those are the things that need to be really shared nowadays because everybody wants to be the next big this or the next great that. And I can say it again. I said before, say it again. That was never. We were never looking to be entertainers. Mm -hmm. Never looking to be stars. You know, as a matter of fact, we would say this. We we pride I mean well, I'm not we probably don't use that word, but we were we were blessed to have wonderful singers and that kind of thing. But that was singers, I'd say that you had ensembles that were to me a lot more polished yeah. and a lot more accomplished and in and, and, and their approach. All we did was we gave God the best we had. Mm. And he took that and he released that and put his glory on that. And so that was our focus. And so as we came together as one, one accord, one place, to lift up one sound, that the glory of God will fill the house. And so it's about creating atmospheres. 
Mm. That's the main thing. Like 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 you said, if you create the atmosphere, like like the old movie Field of Dreams says, if you build it, they will come. They'll come. That's right. Mm. And that's all we were looking to do, to build a tabernacle, something that would house, and to set a seat that when Jesus comes to his house, he has a place to occupy for his wow. glory. That was our focus. I'd like to dovetail on something that um, Dr. Tarver said a moment ago. First of all, the revelation to put Jesus on the throne, if you will, mm. came when? In a time of consecration and prayer. Mm. And so to connect that to something else you said, people thought that because that chair was there, you were worshiping the chair. But that concept came in revelation during the time of prayer. And so only people of prayer mm. could perceive what was really taking place. That's why when God gives you something that's impactful, people may not understand it, but you don't argue with people mm. because they don't have the same revelation. And so Dr. Tarver said a moment ago, we don't do this and I've never done it. And I'm, I can definitely witness for, you know, Dr. Tarver and, and certainly you, Jeffrey, that if this is not about fame and fortune, mm. you know, this is about doing the will of God. I look at Pastor Rose, I've never had an opportunity to meet her either, but her impact is is endless. Mm. And so at the end of the day, because we are kingdom citizens, we're not of this world, we're in the world. Our reward may not be down here. Our reward will be in heaven. Mm. And that's Amen. what I'm after. I'm after well done. Amen. And so Amen. if 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 I don't ever get a Grammy, if I don't ever get a stellar, it's not about that. It's about doing the will of God. The impact of Dr. Harper has paved the way for so many. The impact of Dr. Tarver and myself have paved the way for, I told somebody the other day, they were asking me, aren't you kind of upset that, you know, this hasn't happened for you? This, I said, no. I said, you look at that road out there. I said, the road is paved, isn't it? I said, is somebody's name on that road? He said, no. Wow. I said, that's my responsibility. And when you understand that your job is to pave the road so that somebody behind you can have an mm. easier trek, it doesn't matter if your name is on the boulevard. It mm. matters that you have pleased the Father. Wow. I'm just so undone at the insight, the revelation, the impartation, because that's what we're really receiving today is an impartation from elders, from pioneers, from giants. I hope that you all, especially those who are tuning in, who are a part of my generation or the generation coming behind millennials, Gen Z, I hope you are receiving this as an impartation. And I think this episode, you know, you're going to have to go back and, you know, listen to this a couple of times because there's so much to catch in. We have to really wrap up here in just a moment. I have just a couple kind of rapid fire questions that I want to ask. But thank you all so much for the impartation. Thank you for paving the road. Thank you for, you know, and let's just be real about it. Right. The sound. It, it Isn't it amazing? Right. That the sound that was rejected huh. is now the kind of sound that is filling arenas 
and stadiums. Just what is it that God might be doing in us today that may not be recognized today, may not get the accolades today, Mm -hmm. but it is paving the way. What I believe, Dr. McAllister, Pastor Tarver, is that the ministries that you all were a part of and that you helped to lead and pioneer were really from the future. Mm. And so they had impact in their time, but e- even the impact that you had in your time was, uh, was, was but a seed for the impact that would reverberate throughout generations. And so I believe this is an encouragement to us that many of us as worship leaders, we might be too focused on charts, positioning, engagement requests, all those things that go into the industry of worship. And we measure our impact. And I know I've been guilty of this, of at times in the past, measuring my impact based on, well, God, I'm producing these out. You know, we're putting out this music. We're writing these songs. And, you know, some people are responding, but why can't it seem to break through, you know, to another dimension? And God has been showing me really over the last couple of years, really exactly what you all are sharing today, that no, the impact you've been called to make is not just for today. It's for a generation that you may not even live to see. But your responsibility is to is to live and dwell and abide in the throne room. Thank you, Jesus, Mm -hmm. to see the king who sits on the throne, to declare his kingship such that generations to come will have an encounter with him through what it was that you did. Because anything that we do, thank you, God, anything that we do from the throne room will always have eternal reverberation. That's right. Because it came from out of time. That's right. It came from eternity. So its impact is in the realm of eternity and it shows up in time, but we have to get comfortable and settled in the facts. I want to encourage a worship leader who is even serving at their church to say that you continue to do what Dr. McAllister told us. You go after the glory. You do what Pastor Tarver told us. You create that seat. Yeah. Or you 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 give him that seat and watch what he does because you're not just doing it for the moment, but you are doing something. Many of us, God has called you to pioneer something in your city, and discouragement has caused you to become paralyzed. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we declare the freedom of God over you that you would run with patience the race that is set before you. Mm-hmm. looking unto Jesus. Hallelujah. Yes. May the revelation of Jesus Christ be ever apparent to you, even as the apostle Paul prayed for the church at Ephesus, that God would give them the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. We pray that over you today, yes. that Jesus would be your focus, yes. that his glory would be your goal, yes. that his kingship would be what you proclaim. God, I thank you for an open heaven, even over the homes, Mm -hmm. the cars, the workplaces of those who are listening or watching this podcast right now, that you are opening the heavens and you're revealing Jesus to us. You're revealing our assignments to Um, us. Thank you, God. Thank you. Thank you, God. Okay. Now, now can I just say something 
uh, about that, these models are biblical mm. of going into the future and bringing it into the present. Mm. Yes, That's what David did. Yes. You remember that in that day, the ark should have been in the Holy of Holies, but David took it out of the Holy of Holies, yes. put it in the center of a tent, and had mm. priests wait on course. That had never been done before. Wow. But then after David, his rulership, what happened? It went back into another, went back into the temple of Solomon. Mm. And so even we see that, that, that prophetic insight that David had. So when you're a worship, you're, pro you're prophetic. You, you see mm. things in the future, you know? And my bishop always says, I see you in the future and you look much better than you look mm. right now. There's something futuristic about worship. There's something you will never be caught off guard as a worshiper. Mm. <laughs> you'll never, awesome. you'll always witness something in your spirit. You may not Thank know you, exactly what's getting ready to happen, but you, you, you know something's changing, something is shifting because you, again, as you said, Minister Golden, you've tapped out of time and mm. tapped into eternity. That's why you can be in a worship service for hours mm. on end and you look at your watch it's like wow it just seemed like five minutes why because in eternity time does not exist yes. that's a whole nother podcast <laughs> wow <laughs> about that another time but i wanted to just share that you know everything that we do has to have some kind of root in the word of mm. god and i wanted to just kind of bring that full circle so that wow. people know that it's not just you having delusions of grandeur <laughs> okay wow that that is a biblical principle that we see david operating in and so as worshipers that is our responsibility to not only be a worshiper but to be a prophetic worshiper mm. to decree and declare the kingdom of god that he desires in the future even right now to mm. set the template for what it will be so that his kingdom is established. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. Okay. So I, 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 I'm, I'm going to, okay, we, we, we have to conclude. I know that, but just very quickly, just, I just want to ask just a couple of rapid fire things. So, you know, the first answers that pop in your head. So first I'm going to ask this, Pastor Tarver, your top three influences in worship. Oh man, Ron Canoli, definitely a, a pioneer. I would probably say that camp that was that was in the Mount Integrity Music, those mm. guys. But let me give one that's probably not as well known. Many people know Dr. Juanita Bynum, mm. but many people don't know her brother, Apostle Tom Bynum. I say wow. this, Apostle Tom Bynum was, I believe single-handedly, one of the first impactful, powerful, prophetic praise and worship leaders. He impacted the city of Chicago in this region and really brought that. And Pastor Rose, we mentioned Pastor Rose was a beneficiary of that, where there was a wow. sound where he, back in the day, this was Dr. Juanita before T.D. Jakes, before mm. she really became the Dr. Juanita we know. She and her brother had a church on the south side of Chicago, real long story short. And on Sundays, you couldn't get on the block because people were coming from everywhere. He would lead worship, she would preach, and it was like a one-two punch in the spirit. Wow. They would worship until the walls would sweat. And he would she would prophesy and preach until the building would shake. And that combination of worship and word 
impacted our region and people began to come mm. from all over the world. So Apostle Tom, Apostle Tom Bynum, mm. those were my main influences. Wow. Yeah. Dr. McAllister, how about you? Well, yes, Ron Canoli, he was definitely one. Morris Chapman. Yeah. And certainly Andre Crouch. Yeah. Wow. Awesome. And then my last question, again, just kind of rapid fire. If you had to maybe summarize in one sentence what you believe God is calling for this generation to embrace as it relates to worship, and it may be something that you've already mentioned, what God is calling this generation to embrace as it relates to worship, what, what would you say? Mm-hmm. I'd have to tag, uh, make it easy and tag Dr. Judah, go for the glory. Go for the glory. If you go for the glory, literally, she touched it. But everything you need Mm -hmm. is found. The wisdom, the direction, the revelation, the provision, everything you need is found for the glory. And again, I say that to a a generation when I say this, that is uber talented. That's right. Uber talented. Yeah. I mean, I could tell stories about places I've gone where they're 12 and 13 year olds. Yeah. Play like play like they've been playing for 30 years. Uber talented. But then distinguishing the difference between that's a whole other doctor, as Dr. Judas said, a whole other podcast podcast, the difference between talent and anointing. Mm -hmm. Wow. Accessing both of them. So if you go for the glory, everything that you need will come. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And I would definitely ditto. This generation of these young people are just so talented and they have skill and acumen that, you know, we wish we had at their ages, but they don't have instruction and the know-how of to be able to really be sustainable, not just a comet here today, gone tomorrow, but one that is ever shining. And so if you go after the glory, God will show you what to do. Listen to his voice. And certainly he will never lead you astray and lead you wrong. Wow. Dr. Judy McAllister, Pastor Phil Tarver, thank you both so much um, for what you have shared, for the insight, the revelation, the impartation, the history, the theology, everything that we have received today. So much to chew on, so much to receive, so much to build on so that we can be and become who it is God has called us to be and become in worship. So thank you all so much family. I pray that you have really gleaned from this conversation as much as I have. Let's thank Dr. Judy McAllister and Pastor Phil Tarver one more time. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you. Family, I hope you enjoyed that conversation about the history and theology of praise and worship from the Black Church experience. And if you did, if you could do us a favor, leave a five-star review Tell everybody you know that here at the Dimensions Podcast, we're having in-depth conversations so that we can grow in the knowledge of God and the revelation of Jesus Christ. Until next time.